0: Well, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of UFO Encounters Worldwide, episode 64. This is your host, Jesse Peake, Rufa Field Investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. Today, we have two highly decorated and awarded paranormal investigators, Brian Allen and Barry Fitzgerald, here to talk about their brand new book, The Deceptions of of gods and men this should be a really exciting episode so please tune in and listen to it all because you're going to learn something new today guaranteed we're also sponsored by errt radio please go check them out they have weekly shows you can catch them on youtube and the mixler app so we have a lot to get to so strap on them seatbelts. belts we're going for a ride all right welcome to episode 64 of ufo encounters worldwide this is your host jesse peak mufon field investigator in the state of pennsylvania city of philadelphia and today's episode is sponsored by errt radio you can check them out on youtube and the mixler app today we have two very special guests authors of the new book the deceptions of gods and men brian allen and barry fitzgerald welcome to the show
1: yeah, thanks for having us on board. Thank you,
0: thank you, Jesse. Absolutely, this is uh, exciting. Um, you guys both have a really good background in the paranormal field, um, so this should be great. And I want a, the new book sounds amazing. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Um, so I guess let's kind of start it off where you guys each how yous both got into the field. If you want to go,
1: Barry, you first.
0: Um, well, I've I've been involved researching the field
2: uh, for over thirty years now. And uh, it is, in my later years, it has led me into uh, the, the area of ufology, cryptozoology and, and, and the rest, um, which in itself has helped uh, develop the new book. But I, I, I think for me, uh, growing up initially um, as, as a young infant um, in a haunted house and having experiences within that, Certainly, probably set the cornerstones into where I am today, but uh, that's pretty much me. Um, and uh, I went on. Um, a lot of folks there in the U.S. would remember me from uh, from uh, Ghost Hunters International and the Sci-Fi Channel. And uh, we run for three seasons on that and uh, exploring the paranormal and, 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 and all its wonders around the planet. And and then I, I, I let off from that and, and started writing books and to date i think there's 11 books i have um i've lost count, and and more in the pipeline um and they they, they verge on and touch on, on on many different aspects of the fringe research
0: and brian how did you get into the field oh yeah
1: okay i didn't want to cut across the okay. How it? okay well i I've, I've been into this literally all my life now, I'm pushing 80 now, but uh, I got into an age just over three years old, two and a half, three years old, when I had an encounter with something that I've since realised was probably extraterrestrial. It wasn't a ghost, and it appeared in my bedroom. And uh, also, in the same bedroom, I had my first uh, sighting, if you like. Or I had a lucid dream, put it that way. And uh, I saw what you would describe as a fairly standard UFO, with a disc-shaped UFO. And this was back in the the you know nineteen forties when didn't know what UFOs looked like. I mean, they certainly weren't disc shaped. But I saw this disc shaped thing and I suddenly realized not at the time, obviously, but much later, that the two were probably linked. That, that this ET, or want a better word, it was there and I, I was getting picked, I was getting selected. And that sort of shaped my life ever since. And uh, like Barry, uh, I'll be I used to be a hands on investigator, you know cases of the paranormal, ghost hauntings, poltergeists, you name it, and latterly I would say UFOs, but um, I tend to be more hands-off now, and like Barry, I've written books, uh, well obviously the, the Deceptions to Gods of Men, I wrote with Barry, but counting that I've written a total of 14, and they're all interrelated on various paranormal subjects, so I guess that's me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just you're looking at your background, I mean, both of you have both re- uh, received awards. Um Barry, I mean, Paranormal TV Personality Award in 2016 and 2018 from the P- uh, PSW based in the Netherlands and Brian, mm-hmm. you got your Strange Phenomena Investigating Prestigious Tartan Skull Award for services in the ufology and the paranormal in Scotland. Uh, that's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's phenomenal. Uh it just goes to show how much hard work you both put into the field and it's amazing. Um, so now you guys got, got together and you wrote this new book. Um, what can we look forward to in this book?
1: Well, I guess it's um, a, a, the idea to be fair. The idea was mostly Barry's because, because I was asked on board to help with it. But basically it's about well, the only way we can describe them is them. I mean, the, the title of the book says that all the deceptions because these things are liars have lied to us since they appeared and they've been with us since the beginning of time and they exist in a void and, and they need us to they need us they must have us to exist at all because they need a physical form and they need us to generate it but they're also shapeshifters that can appear in any form they want to keep us happy and um, so yeah really that's what the book is about because they've appeared in various forms They've been known as angels, demons, fairies, the djinn, cryptids, the Nephilim, the Shining Ones, the Council of Nine, the Ennead of Ancient Egypt, Romans and Grecian gods, and even so-called space bullets. They are all manifestations of them, but I'll pass that across to Barry now, if you like.
2: Yeah, the the, uh, the, the initial concept, of course, was, was about this. It was about seeing this thread that seemed to weave through much of the fringe research fields and and we it it seemed that we were getting lost in the appearance the way that it was it was portraying itself the way we were, were perceiving the phenomena but that in itself of course when you're researching this, can can lead you very quickly into a brick wall um, when trying to research the identity of these particular beings. And it, it became very apparent that the appearance was changing over time. And sometimes that that appearance would change uh, several times within a, within a generation. But the key point for Brian and me was the fact that we were able to track it on the phenomena itself, mm-hmm. the way it interacted with us. And that in itself spoke volumes and led us. It started to lead us back, and um, back into our, into our history, and not just not just ten or twenty years or a hundred years. We we're, we were getting led back, um, hundreds and then thousands of years. Yeah. And, and in fact, back into Mesopotamia, um, and that that's that unfortunately is where the record stops because we didn't have, from what we know, there there was no other written language. Prior to to that particular time frame, and so so we started to lose that, but we did see shadows of 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 that interaction even into the Ubidian period, um, which was prior to Mesopotamia. Um, and, and those shadows lasted and, and can still be seen there, there today in, 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 in this aspect of, of the mounds, in particular, the mound builders. Um, and, and, and the mounds themselves were just simply a gateway um, for us to interact with this intelligence that was coming through the void. Um, but when, when we really started piecing the book together uh, Jesse, the you know, we we were being led into many different areas, um, and in fact, one particular area of, of particular interest for myself and Brian uh, was the school experiments, mm. which which was um, it was a a, a a series over a five year period of of the of, of of silences that were being held in school on on the uh, east coast of England, and it was during that particular period we were seeing. And scanning over the reports um, from from the event that, that was occurring, and, and these mediums were meeting twice every uh, twice a week, um, over the five year period um, in this basement, mm-hmm. and and the phenomena began to come forward to them during this period, and and it gained so much interest that even even mm-hmm. the, um, um, particular people from sci- scientific backgrounds were queuing up to get in to experience this to see it for themselves, and. But when the manifestations began to occur, they weren't what we were kind of expecting. Um, it was the last place that we expected to see um, um, elements of ufology appear within a séance room. Yeah. And and that really started. <laughs> it really started us to ask serious questions um, as to what is what is going on, what is coming through, and what do we think is coming through. And and we we, we started to devise the book, um, and the book itself is not designed, and we have to say this from from the outset, the book is not designed to tell people, don't go out there practicing ufology, don't go out there and practice the paranormal um, and, and look for this phenomenon. That is not what we're saying. What we're saying in the book is to show caution and reserve and question what is coming through and this this is the probably one of the the most brilliant lessons to learn is that and, and understand if the this entity this energy whatever it is comes through the veil to hear it will not mind a few questions for clarity but what we tend to see time and time again when we begin to interact when we become suspicious, the moment we start to question, the phenomenon vanishes. That, to me, speaks volumes. That is a high level of deception.
1: I think it's probably fair to say that, since, since Barry's talking about school, that uh, we have we're fortunate enough that one of our friends, he was actually attended a couple of the of the seances at school, and what he saw was pretty revealing as regards, if you like, the sort of UFO end of it. And when they were sitting in, in, the, in the seance room, which was, I might add, a, a basement, there was only one way in, one way out, about a set of stairs. And it was designed specifically to hold these seances. And what the guy saw was little spaceships floating about the room, and I'm not kidding. These little things were like little UFOs, and they were floating around about the room, and, and he saw this repeatedly when he was in there. But, but the other curious thing about the whole deal of school is that the people that were doing the experiments were told in no uncertain terms to shut it down. And they were told by the spirit team who were on the other side, and that this is who they were communicating with. They were told in no uncertain terms to shut it down because somebody or some group of people they believe it was human beings from the future had told the spirit team to tell these people it's called to shut this down because they're interfering with us in the future so what you make of that i'm not too sure but but this is one of, of the odd outcomes attributed to school and i think it also speaks volumes well that if people in the future were being affected by what was happening well affected in the past because this what this all went on during the the, the, the 1990s and uh, if if the future had been affected by the you know by the present then then that also tells you something about it but As for the relationship with them and and school, it certainly makes you scratch your head because the other thing is that these things, they're aware of us, okay? And they're aware when we're watching them or we're looking at them because it kind of reminds me of of, of a saying by, by Nietzsche, which is, battle not with monsters lest you become a monster. But the important thing is that if you gaze into the abyss the abyss gazes also into you. And these things live in the abyss. Now I know that I gazed into the abyss. When I was writing one of the books I was writing, I gazed into the abyss and they saw me. And they let me know and known certain terms they'd seen me because they visited they didn't be in my home. They scared me nearly witness witless, witless and, I, and I had to cleanse that house from top to bottom in the morning. And I was pretty successful at it as well because. A visiting medium who was in the house one time, he actually told me, or, or she told me, that the house was the most psychically neutral house I'd ever been in. So I suppose that speaks volumes for what I did. But, but no trouble since then. But these things are dangerous. They, they know we're here and they can interact with us if they so wish, and they can do it in no uncertain terms.
0: Now, today we hear a lot of people. I mean, back in the day, a lot of people didn't like to um, say that the paranormal and ufology and Bigfoot were all connected in some way. But today it's becoming more popular, um, and now it's even getting into interdimensionals and you know gods and spirits and fairies and sure. and, and all of it. And uh, would you say that 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 this phenomenon overall is a part of all of that?
1: Oh, absolutely! Yes, absolutely. There's nothing was about it because. It would be, guess it would maybe about 20 years ago that I came to the conclusion that the paranormal and ufology are, are inextricably linked. Because some of the phenomena are, are identical, ufological phenomena, paranormal phenomena, absolutely identical. There is no difference whatsoever except in, in, in the context in which you're encountered. And we try to bring this out in the book. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely
0: um, and uh, what was the other? The other question I had was: um, so you had talked about the abyss. Um, could mm. you describe the abyss a little more and what that is? Is it like a portal, or is it something completely different?
1: Oh, so, well, Barry, I think I'll I'll start myself, and Barry can pick it up. I think mm. but the, the the abyss is where they reside, and that abyss is exactly what it says it is. It, it consists of absolutely nothing except them, and that is where they live how they exist? I think "living" would be too grand a term to put on it. They exist there, and they are desperate to get out of it. That is why they need us. And, and uh, too early to be mentioning it now, but they need us for a specific purpose, because they need to be able to get rid of us as flesh machines, flesh suits for them, so they can exist permanently on our side of reality. Barry,
2: there there is um some examples within various different uh, um, um researchers across across the the globe who have come in contact with this with this void this 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 abyss if you like um and even within within school the, the school experiments and um, it was admitted that they came from a dimension not far from our own
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and that's very very important to consider because there have been many people researchers mediums and um, sensitives the like experiencers who've commented that these things are not coming um you know they they're not coming from far away that they're very very close when they come through um but uh, the late Robert Monroe, of course, um, from the from the Monroe Institute, was a prolific OBE experiencer, an out-of-body experiencer. And he was able to do this under laboratory conditions. and uh, but when he traveled beyond and left his body to travel, he commented several times about this this area that that was close to here and now. But he said that this this void, the space that he had to travel through, um, he said, was filled with, with chiefly, with inhabitants of a sub, almost of a subhuman um, um, intellect, but but in them themselves could think independently. Now, within the void, um, there is absolutely nothing, and, and we learned this from from the uh, the the the, the, the experiment. In, in which one of the, the the entities that came through had had commented on this that uh, that there was absolutely nothing on the other side, no male, female, light, dark, nothing, and this is in reference to where they come from, um, and uh, it's a very very important aspect to consider, and um, so so from from their standpoint, they're almost like uh, I suppose if you wanted to say what they were like, um, almost energetical and um, bodiless uh, in 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 their existence um, but this need to get back to here is is exceptionally important and and that in itself you know we we see we see examples of, of this throughout the, the world where these places exist that that this interaction can occur and this this doorway can open and come through. And, and it can take many, many different forms, I should also point out. Um, the idea of, of things being nuts and bolts, for instance, um, in itself we have to now think outside the box with this, because within the experiments um, um, uh, during um, the, in the 1990s in England, these the, the, there was one for instance where, uh, where the hand of of a person touched one of the sitters on the shoulder mm-hmm. Now, as the sitter then reached around he he felt the hand and it was a human hand and he followed the hand onto the arm and up to the elbow after that there was nothing manifestation of whatever appearance they can assume so the idea that they that they appear as this or they only appear as that is that's a fallacy they can appear as whatever way they want to appear. And the this this interaction that they were delivering to us um, also needs to be scrutinized because for us within within the paranormal field, you know, this has to be done in darkness or or, or low light conditions, and we can hardly see anything during these particular episodes. Um, but yet in the 1970s, in the Livermore Laboratories, the same experiments were happening in broad daylight. The scientists there were nearly put away in the head. They, they nearly went crazy. They thought, um, and the phenomena followed them them home. And this this is also important to consider when we look at at, at greater the, the greater phenomena in that that people can be tracked back to their back to their their, their sanctity and. Uh, and this was happening with, with the scientists and were strange creatures were appearing in in their rooms and again in broad daylight. In fact, one arm, uh, another arm uh, appeared in hovering in the middle of, of one of the scientist's rooms in front of him and his wife. And at the end, instead of fingers, there was just this, this, this crazy hook um, was attached to the arm and it spun in place and then suddenly dematerialized and was gone. And um, So the phenomena can appear, and the laws that we think are in place, which keep us safe and then safe, don't apply. Um, that in itself is 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 is, is the is the deception. And um, so we're having to learn um, and understand the phenomena better. We have to study it better. We have to examine it and test it.
0: So now, I
1: think I think it's what I just just make an interjection here that. Since Barry's brought the, the subject to school and, into the discussion, it's worth pointing out that the, the, the school experiment were exactly that, and they were doing a lot of stuff there, especially regarding photographs and photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are a series of cameras rigged up, and they were taking photographs of, of the darkness, if you like. Mm-hmm. And in the photographs, they were getting pic- you know, really clear pictures of pyramids, of planets, of like aurora borealis all sorts of stuff but there was one in particular that, that really stuck in my mind and perhaps this is another aspect of them and that they came across they got this one single picture and it's very clear if you if you if you, if you actually if any of the listeners actually google skull experiment they might actually come across it and it's the picture they called it this little character blue it's just a head and they called it blue because there's a blue color wash actually across the image but it's actually a gray it's your traditional gray et they, but they're calling it blue because that's the color it came out in and they also discovered that there are entities and this again is probably them who are out there and they hate us with a passion and if they and if they can harm us they will I mean, there are like layers of reality out there like all, all, that are sometimes closer than your skin they're really right beside us and um, some of these entities are, are just they're indifferent towards us some bear us no malice but there's some that hate us with a passion and i suspect this is where you get into them because they don't like us and they only they only tolerate us because they need us because without that without us they can't materialize physically in in this reality although they can take any form but as far as we're concerned they need us like, like they just need us simple as that they couldn't exist without us
2: and i think as, as brian states there 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 are ones that are indifferent um and and some which are good and some which are which are have, have a great disdain for humanity but the problem being um is that we can't tell the difference um and and because that in itself plays itself out over time and that's something we have to give it we have to give it time we can't accept the phenomena on face value um, and, and that has been proven time and time and time again we have to test it mm-hmm. um, and l- like I said before if the phenomena is there and um, for for our greater in, um, um, intent um, then it won't mind a few questions for clarity but you can be sure as there's as there's an ass and a duck that that the moment that it, that that they and um, the ones that are nefarious of course become suspicious that we are suspicious then all communication ends
0: that's it it's over so we got about two minutes left so now with the abyss um they can come through to us but are can we go through to them and get lost there
2: there there are some
0: occasions
2: in which doorways do open yes and and i think a perfect example of that is the work done by david Politus in the united states yes that's mm-hmm. where i'm going um, with his it. Books, <laughs> the missing
0: 411 yes yeah because i've seen many many uh episodes and the stories that he tells of these people you know disappearing but finding little things of their of, of their stuff in different places and it's like mm. they Die in this place, and they're only a hundred yards away from a home. Or it looks like they sat yeah. down to have coffee, and yeah. that was it. You
2: yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. sometimes
2: they, it can happen, you know. And, and we have we have accounts here within uh, mythology and folklore uh, within the British Isles, and uh, and it tells of people who have gone through, um, and and they've only gone through for what would seem like ten minutes, and come back. But time sure. time is very different. Sure, and and when they come back five 10 years could have passed by the time they come back so we've got them missing from 411 and and we assume that they've deceased but looking at at our own mythology and folklore possibly not we just got to give it time um, and uh, and see if 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 they are returned and that'll be very a, a very interesting thing to do
0: absolutely all right well it looks like we ran right into the break so let's go ahead and take that now and when we get back we'll uh talk about maybe some of your investigations that you guys both have done in the field yeah um so we'll be right back after these commercial breaks looking for some new shows to listen through throughout the week check out our brand new sponsor, ERRT Radio, which you can find on YouTube and the Mixler app. There's multiple shows every week, new ones that have just started, so go over and check them out. Again, that's ERRT Radio, the official sponsor of our show. Hey! Hey! Did you know UFO Encounters Worldwide has an official website for the podcast? That's right. You can go to ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com today and check out all of the cool content we have on the UFO phenomenon. You can get all of the content and information for each episode on the website Plus, you can follow my travels and see some of my work. There's even new weekly updates on the UFO phenomenon with megalithic structures and different places from around the world with UFO sightings. That's UFO UFOEncountersWorldwide.wordpress.com. Check it out today.
1: UFO Encounters Worldwide wants to
0: hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host,
1: Jesse Peake, at UFO at gmail.com today.
0: Are you looking for some new swag? Well, UFO Encounters Worldwide now has an official clothing line and store where you can get your official merchandise. It's storefrontier.com slash UFO encounters worldwide. You can select from a large variety of all kinds of gear, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, masks, can cozies, and more. We'll be adding more designs as time moves on, but there are two amazing ones on there now. And if you're looking to also support the show, you can sponsor to our PayPal and donate if you like. If not, that's okay too. Check out our swag store. Again, that's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide today. Hey everyone, it's Jesse Peek, your host from UFO Encounters Worldwide. Have you guys ever had a UFO sighting? Go to MUFON.com where you can report your UFO sighting and a field investigator will get in contact with you and investigate your sighting absolutely free. I'm a field investigator for MUFON in Pennsylvania. I do it all the time. It's a great, great organization to report your sighting and actually get real feedback. Check it out at MUFON.com today. UFO encounters worldwide with your host Jesse Peak. Now available on the following platforms: Castbox, Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Freaker, Radio Public, and Podcast Addict. Come check us out today and become a worldwide. All right. Welcome back to the second half of episode 64 with our special guests, Brian Allen and Barry Fitzgerald. Um, so we, we, we kind of talked about some of the stuff about your book. Um, and I thought about this half, we would get into the investigation side of things because both of you are in the, in the field, boots on the ground investigators at one point mm-hmm. and still are um, so. Wanted to get into that and see, you know, what investigations have stuck out to you, and, and what are some things that you've found in the investigations that you've done, um, and go and see what we can find that way. Hmm. Um.
2: I think. I think from from my standpoint, um, I th- th- there was one particular case which really stood out for me, um, and. And that in itself was was based here in Ireland. We were, we were investigating myths and legends here on the island. We wanted to see, was there anything of the ancient past that, that still lingered on the landscape today? You see, for us, we we get into cars, we drive from location to location, we switch on the music, we're, we're, we're completely cocooned um, from the environment around us. So we're completely different from our ancestors 500 years ago. And so we wanted to see, is there anything in the landscape that, that could still exist there that we're completely um, oblivious to? It? And I have to say, in in the six years of doing Legend Seekers, I've had more experiences uh, doing that than 30 years of, of hunting ghosts. And to the point, actually, where it scared me that much that I said, if this ever happens again, I'm done. That's it. I'm finished. Um, I'm, I'm retiring. I don't want to know. And. One one example of, of, of that, just to, to to let the viewers quickly understand, um, was was this mountain that we were investigating uh, further down the country, and we were led to believe from from the guy that owned the mountain um, that he had bought it um, in goodwill. Uh, he didn't know anything of the history, and it would seem that the locals did, but they were keeping quiet. Now, initially what seems to, seemed to have occurred that there were houses, old stone cottages that were built on the mountainside. But during the night, the people were getting the, the, the bedclothes ripped off them during the night and they were being pulled out of bed. Now, this occurred too much that they eventually left and that the houses were left to wreck and ruin. And so the, the guy came in, bought the property with the intent of, of, of uh, making a quarry, an open-air quarry stone quarry
1: right
2: but as it as as fate would have it um, or good fortune i suppose uh, when he opened the quarry he stumbled upon cool cool veins so he thought oh well that's a good idea you know i could i could start um uh, d- 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 the cool out and and making some extra income but the moment he op- he 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 broke the ground something began to happen And and this phenomenon made itself known through the manipulation of the equipment. New equipment was being brought onto site and it malfunctioned. It was brought off the site. It started to work again. Um, Cars and trucks that were being brought on site, the electronics were going absolutely berserk. Nothing was making any sense to the mechanics. He ended up building several... Uh, um, blocks of, of workshops and offices, and above one office, he had some accommodation for for one of the drivers, an Italian driver. And one of the lads was using a, a flat top table saw, and he was cutting some some wood when he was clubbed in the back of the head, fell forward, and took his fingers off with the saw blade. Oh. Now at that proof at that particular moment. The the people who had heard the screaming turned to see this figure walking across the yard and into the offices on the other side. Now, no one ever seen its face. They only ever seen the back of it. And to them, they described it as a small man. That that was it, just a small man and uh, no distinguishing features. But the Italian truck driver that was staying above the offices, he would have headed into town at the weekends. locked locked his apartment up, and being Italian, of course, he he liked his religious iconography and everything else, And, and not that there's anything wrong with that. And he came back to find that the door had been torn off the hinges, and the religious iconography that he had, the statues, were beaten to powder. There was nothing left of these particular religious statues so they began to suspect that there was something going on of a haunting nature and they brought in the church and the church came it was i think it was four times and the fourth time they said there's nothing we can do with this because every time they came it got worse and it ended up a a person died on the site, and the the italian was beside himself Um, Because the more religious artefacts he was bringing in, the more they were being destroyed and the the place was being turned upside down. So he thought, okay, someone has to be doing this. He he was not accepting the paranormal. Someone is doing this. And he brought dogs to the site. German shepherds, in fact. It murdered the dogs. And um, this is something that we that we see also within the likes of, of Skinwalker um, and, uh, and other particular areas as well around the, around the world. They target the dogs first. The reason that they do that is because the dogs have a have a finer tune, uh, yes, um, uh, I suppose um, um, ability to detect them
0: frequency. Yeah, and
2: and um, for us, the, this really really brings us back. Um, that we need to understand our own biology. You see, there, there were tests that were carried out on biofeedback techniques, and, and the, the computer itself was 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 taking um, random pictures of of kittens and and laughing children and, and and all these photographs that were rotating and circulating. And these pictures were being completely selected by by the computer, completely random. And the observer then would watch these. Now, as the experiment continued, all the photographs that they were seeing, we we liked what we were seeing. Our skin resistance began to lower. We're okay. Everything's fine. Everything's relaxed. And our our, our, our skin resistance lowered. The moment that the computer selected a random image of a very graphic car accident, the skin resistance shot up. It nearly went through the roof because we didn't like what we were seeing. But as the experiment continued, something bizarre began to happen because when the photographs were rotated, what they started to see within the lab tests was that milliseconds before the computer selected the car accident, we began reacting. Our bodies were sensing what was about to happen and was pre-engaging this uh, this this aspect of the fight or flight, and this is a very very important thing to consider. Um, the fight or flight is our innate um, um, awareness. It's it's our it's our psychic center, if you want, and it's it's our ability to sense whether this is right or whether this is wrong, and and we use this when we're dealing with phenomena um, of of a very bizarre nature. And, And what tends to happen is that if the phenomena appears to us within the first 20 seconds, this is why I call it the 20 second rule, that when the phenomena appears within the first 20 seconds, if aspects of us, of this trilogy that's within us, detects that the nature of that is not what it seems, what it looks like, we start reacting. That's our inner voice. That's our subtle psychic awareness saying, be aware. The fight or flight engages the release of adrenaline. is getting us ready to move within the first 20 seconds. If we surpass 20 seconds and we don't listen to that instinct, then what tends to happen is that we start to move into a theta band rhythm, brain rhythm, in which uh, hypnosis is, is 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 very very um, uh, astute with that with that particular brain rhythm, um, uh, um, manipulation um, and uh, and false false memory. All of that will happen within that particular area. But more importantly, it shuts down our fight or flight, and that's very very important because after the 20 seconds, we become blind. And we see this within other encounters, especially with the Shining Ones, who will appear on top of hilltops and top of mountains and cave systems, and they'll tell us all this wonderful stuff. Um, But the initial 20 seconds is valuable to understand the phenomena. Take, for instance, uh, Midjigori, where this this white being, this lady appeared on top of the hill. The children that initially viewed it were frightened stiff. Their bodies were reacting, they were telling them this is not what it seems, but it was overridden because of curiosity and everything else. They got them through that conscious hook. This this wizard um, in which the hand is, 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 is flashing above them and they're watching it, but they're not watching or sensing the other hand. Um, and that is the problem. Now that that aspect of our fight or flight, um, can be problematic in the modern sense, and this is where we need to understand our own biology, because if we if we decide that we're meeting up, for instance, to go for a, a CE5 event, or we're going sky-watching, or we're going to a haunted house, whatever the case may be, and we meet up, say, at a fast food restaurant, we have something to eat and something to drink, refined sugar can actually shut down your gift of discernment. Really? Yes. Refined sugar can blind your body's response. In other words, you are walking into a situation in which you do not know the true nature of that phenomenon.
1: Could I just jump in for a second, Barry? Mm -hmm. I think it's worth pointing out that uh, Garabandal, Fatima, Lourdes, all these manifestations of what is supposed to be the Blessed Virgin Mary, supposedly, they all take place in caves and i think this is vitally important because lourdes had a long reputation for things happening there and not just visions of the bvm like paranormal manifestations were always associated with lourdes so the whole area around there was, was well known as, as an area for stuff stuff inverted commas out mm-hmm. so that was nothing new and the interpretations of the bvm largely or were due to the church and how it chose to interpret them. And the kids, because the kids in many cases are the people that saw this thing. They never said it was the, ble- the Blessed Virgin Mary. They didn't say that. They mm-hmm. just saw this lady or whatever. But it certainly wasn't the BBN That came from the church, of pr- probably for a bit of propaganda and just to, you know, wave the flag for itself. But it's a, it's a pity that. But as far as I'm concerned, um, my own investigations, they're not, nothing near as elaborate as barry's but one thing i did pick up of what he was saying was this thing that killed the dog's body mm-hmm. could that possibly have been a leprechaun if i'm serious about that
2: um well well to me brian it was all coming from the same source um, mm-hmm. and when we went back into into our archaeological historical reports uh, based on dublin and um, we were able to uncover that the neolithic history for instance um, they they use high locations um, for for alignments of structures and things like that, mm-hmm. old stone structures. Um, they they built their 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 uh, all these remains around the mountain. They never mm-hmm. built on the mountain. Mm-hmm. So this historically is a place that was known for them. Yeah, this was their spot. and um, um, the problem is that nowadays. We come along, we don't have the same type of attunement that what our ancestors had. Oh, no. A lot of reasons and, and, and biology and, and the environment in which we live in now uh, uh, really hinders our ability to connect. But back back in the day, they were aware that that place has to be avoided. Mm. And we have seen that within the, within the historical record.
1: Yeah. Well, as far as moments of investigations are concerned, I can say, have I seen ghosts? Yes. Have I seen poltergeist activity? Yes. Have I seen UFOs? Yes. Have I seen an ET? Yes. And that was that big site where I was only three years old. That mm-hmm. that could have happened yesterday, absolutely yeah. yesterday, because it's yeah. so fond in my memory. Never forgot that what yeah. I saw. But I mean, I've had experiences with, like I say, going into haunted houses. I've had doors slamming in my face. I've had all sorts of stuff happening. But the one thing I did try to do was, if you remember, and this is an odd name, it's a little village called Sochie, which is not far from where I live in in Scotland. And there was a very famous case from 1960 called the Socky Poltergeist. And when I tried to reinvestigate that case, the people, and there's still a few around, who who actually were there when it all went on, I was getting doors slammed in my face. They just didn't want to revisit it they were terrified of what actually happened in and, and and because i've seen poltergeist effects i'm not surprised because it can give it it can be pretty frightening but as to the ghost side of it yeah you see specters. i mean i've seen this sort of stuff but what i have found as i said during the, the commercial break is that i just don't investigate it anymore I, I just i leave that side of it strictly alone if people want to do it go for it and enjoy yourself but just be careful because you do, you can, and do, and will bring that stuff back with you. Because right. it does attach itself to you a bit like them. Right. But that that is probably another really manifestation of how they work. Because the, the, what people don't seem to realise is when you're using Ouija boards, all that kind of stuff, you're just opening up. You're opening up the door saying, "There's a party in here. Come on in," and mm-hmm. you're inviting anything and everything into your home or whatever you happen to be working with it. So. This is why I tend to leave that side of it strictly alone. And uh, if anybody wants to do it, they're welcome to do it. And you know, and just be careful when you're doing it, because I've had enough of it. And uh, for the last 20 years, I think it's fair to say that I haven't been. At, well, I'm telling you a lie. I think about 12 years ago, in the village where I live, I was asked to get involved in a case, which I was able to successfully bring to conclusion. But um, for the rest of it, I just don't do it anymore, because I think it's too risky.
0: I, th- I
2: think there's there, there's an element as well, um, when we reach out, when that intent is there to reach out, um, when this particular phenomena replies, then it's already made the contact. Mm. Um, and Although subtle, it has made the connection. Um, and that's why we tend to see a lot of the phenomena attract people back to their homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to be very, very aware and, and, and astute to our own mm-hmm. health. And 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 there are particular instances in which, for instance, they will they will target your immune system. Mm-hmm. They will they will reduce the iron platelets within your blood, and there are reasons for that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to look at, at the likes of the Calaris incident, the UFO incident back in uh, 1977 in in Brazil, mm-hmm. in which the UFO there that was that was that was attacking the people in the village many times struck them with a laser that made them anemic
0: mm.
2: why right. and also when we go back and we look again you know this this aspect of we're looking at the same sources the same phenomena just a different mask when we go back into the Semitic and um, uh, belief systems we start seeing this uh, this the, the connections with the incubus and the succubus the nighttime yeah. attacks sure. and nine times out of ten they'll attack women more than men sure. because they wait until the woman enters her monthly cycle she becomes uh. anemic that's when they strike now when we go back and we have a look at the likes of, again same ph- phenomena different mask you look at the fairy the gin yeah Fairy, yep. I, I gotta point out as well are also responsible uh, 200 years ago for cattle mutilations and mm. um, so they were they were doing it 200 years ago and it's just been rebranded the gin The fairy, they all don't like iron. They 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 have a disdain for iron. And and my own personal experience, I got to see this with the greys. The greys are terrified if we have an iron amulet because they can't shut you down. You can move.
0: Really, I didn't know that. that Oh yeah, well
1: this is why I think you'll find that most investigators, who are serious about it, tend to wear an iron one these small iron jewelry, uh, you know, necklaces, if you like. And yeah, I, I certainly do. And uh, yeah.
0: So when it comes to, like we talked about, you know, most of us today don't don't go by what people went by years ago and don't respect the same things that they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that causes them to bring things home with them or get involved in things that can be negative. Um, What are some of the things that you guys recommend to, you know, stop something from coming home with you or if if it's already at your home and you want to get rid of it and you want to cleanse? What are some of the things that you recommend for that?
1: Well, what what I can tell you, what I've done in the past, anything that I've gone around the house and cleansed it or other people's houses, because I usually get people out of the room from doing it, is you don't need a bell, book and candle. You don't need prayers although the Ritual Romanum, if you happen to have it, is pretty useful because it's built up a whole lot of power through its use over the centuries. And in fact, it was one of the things that the Catholic Church didn't change in the 1960s when it introduced a whole bunch of changes, when, for example, the Tridentine Mass stopped being said because people could then say the Mass in whatever language of the country it was getting said in. But the one thing that didn't change was the wording of the Ritual Romanum, which is said in Latin and is still said in Latin because that, that period of exorcism was built up power on its own direction because of using this for, for that specific purpose but what I've done to exercise houses and exercise my own house I go into every room and I cuss and I swear and I f and I blind and all the rest of it and I make it clear they've got to get out of my house because they're not welcomed yet and thank God to know that they've all gone they've always gone so that's what I do
2: Believe it or not, with 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 attachments, you know, when when we go back and we look at, at at the practice of of treating attachments and attachments, there can be various reasons as to why an attachment would be made. You know, you could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but and uh, I, I, I should point out here, by no means am am I supporting this. Uh, but there was there was there was often the uh, this this um, shock therapy that was used, and that removed the attachment. Really? And they've seen great, they, they great success mm-hmm. with this. And in fact, recently a friend of mine was was visiting um, and, uh, and he happened to say that while he was, he, he, for, for about a week, he was suffering from something. He says, I knew that there was something wrong, but I, I just didn't know what. And the typical, the typical um, signs mm-hmm. were there um, of what had what had occurred, and he was he was spiralling down and down, and uh, and within work, um, and it was just this purely incidental thing that that that, that occurred, uh, or accidental thing that occurred, and he was working on a production line when he reached down and touched a piece of metal, but the metal wasn't earthed properly, which caused him to get a, a sharp shock. Okay. Immediately, that's lifted from him. And it reminded me of the therapy that was being done a hundred years ago, but by no means am
0: I supporting that. Right. And um, because that, that could end up, you know, um, oh, yeah. they, they really ruining be. someone's hair day. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely, yeah.
0: So we got about two minutes left and I would like to let, let you guys tell everybody where they can find your work at, um, where they could follow you at um, anything that you want to give out to anybody. Please go. Buddy, you,
1: you do this. You're best at it than me. Uh, well, the, uh, the the book itself,
2: uh, the Deceptions of Gods and Men, can be found on Amazon, and it's available in hardback, paperback, ebook, and also audiobook. I highly recommend the audiobook, um, and uh, it's very very good. Uh, uh, folks can also find me on Facebook, and uh, they can also see other uh, aspects of, of writing that I've done, the other books um, on my on my. Um, um, web page which is charmstealer.com and there's there's other documentaries short documentaries that have been made there as well on various different topics like ufos fairies and um, doorways uh, ancient serpent worship all of that and um, they'll find on the uh, links on on the website over to you brian
1: well i'm afraid i don't go that far i've got a website um and really what i usually tell people to do is just if they type in Brian B R I A N, Alan A W L A N, UFO or paranormal, you'll get me on there. That, that, that's the easiest way to get me. But as Barry says, I can thoroughly recommend the book, which is incidentally published by Flying Disc Press, and uh, give, give Phil Mantle a bit of a push there. So um, yeah, I'm just you know just a fairly average guy, and I, I feel I keep a fairly low profile. I'm not on Facebook because I don't think I should live my life in public. And allow the government access as to how i think
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I <get> it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah but that, that, that's pretty much why I, I, i've got a whatsapp thing but uh, a, a, a private group in that it's called friday freaks and uh it's called that for a very good reason i might add but it's uh, the, the, the only public actually like access i have is through is, is through whatsapp but but, but that's like, a restricted group
0: all right, yeah, and I did. I put a, all your both your information in the, in the description of the episode and how they can get a hold of you there, and also for your Phenomena Magazine. we Really, a well, day. thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Jesse. Yeah, so all that's in there, so they can get a hold of you. And um, I want to thank you both for coming on today because I learned a lot that I hadn't, had no idea about before. And I'm sure the audience did as well. So, that's thank you. Absolute
1: pleasure, Jesse. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Jesse. We'll have to have you guys on again because I know there's a lot of stuff we didn't even get to get to today. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) so we'll definitely have to do that. And uh, thank you again for coming on. And I want to thank the audience for listening today. Um, And just remember that next week we'll have another episode. We'll be going over the MUFON top cases of the month. And please check out our sponsor, ERRT Radio, which you can see them on YouTube.com and the Mixler app. And until next time, remember to keep your eyes in the sky. Well, that was absolutely an amazing show with our special guests, Brian Allen and Barry Fitzgerald. We're definitely going to have them on again because one hour is not enough to get all the information that they have. So we'll have them back on again soon so we can learn some more new stuff that we have never heard of before in the paranormal realm, ufology and of high strangeness next week we're going to go back to doing our once a month mufon top cases from that month's journal so that should be a lot of fun and please go support our brand new sponsor errt radio they have new weekly shows go check them out you can listen on youtube and the mixler app and until next time remember to keep your eyes in the sky